0: God wants us to discover a treasure. He wants us to discover something that is genuinely, potentially revolutionary for all of us. We're going to be thinking about God's plan for us. Now, we're in this book of Colossians. It's a little document. That's why we've been able to get it printed in such a small booklet form like this. But it's a, a letter that was written by a man called Paul. About 30 years after the time of Jesus, the first Easter. So it's, you know, first century, a generation later. He'd never been to Colossae. This is a city in Turkey. He'd never been there, but he'd heard about it. And he was concerned for this church because this church faced the temptation that I think every church faces. And that is the temptation to do Christianity and lose Christ along the way. For Christ to sort of diminish and become a sort of a a footnote while we get on with things that we think are important. That was the temptation they were facing. And so all the way through this letter, Paul is writing to this church and urging them to keep Christ front and center. Last week, Tim was preaching. He took us to the middle of chapter 1 and uh, that hymn from verses 15 to 20 A hymn that that kind of proclaims the supremacy of Christ. Christ is supreme over creation. And he's supreme over God's plan of salvation. It's an amazing few verses and it just lifts Jesus up. And after that, everything else is kind of a follow-up. Everything else falls out from having Jesus lifted up the way that we have it in that passage from last week. Following on from that, where we're jumping in, Paul is writing about his ministry. In fact, if you just take a look, we're on page 14, if that's helpful, of these little booklets. Uh, Chapter 1. I want you to notice uh, the way Paul talks about his ministry, just for a, a second here, just kind of a preview, I suppose. In verse 23, the end of what we saw last week, he calls himself a servant of the gospel. So that uh, he wants Christ to be proclaimed to every creature under heaven. A servant of the gospel to proclaim Jesus to everyone. Now, when you drop down into the next section, notice in verse 25, he says, I have become its servant. It is the church. So he's servant of the gospel so that the whole world can know. Now he's saying, I'm servant of the church. He's kind of focusing in. On the followers of Jesus. And he's saying a couple of reasons that he's the servant for the church. Firstly, in verse 25, to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Okay, so he's a servant of the church to present all of God's word. And then down in verse 28, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. That's his ministry encapsulated. He's a servant of the gospel because he wants to proclaim the gospel to everybody. But specifically, he's a servant of the church to present all of God's word so that all of God's people mature. That's kind of our responsibility as church leaders. That's the the burden on our shoulders. As we pray and think about leading the church, we kind of feel that same burden, that same privilege. We want to present all of God's word And we want all of God's people to be fully mature. It's kind of on us. And so that's Paul describing his ministry. Now, what we're going to find in this section, we're going to start at verse 24. We're going to go down to chapter 2, verse 7. And what we're going to find in this section is God's plan for us. God's plan for your incredibly close connection to Christ. That's what God's desire and plan is. For you individually and for us collectively to have an incredibly close connection to Christ. There's two paragraphs that are essentially driving that thought home. In each paragraph he starts talking about his ministry and then he talks about a mystery. Ministry, mystery, ministry, mystery. Let's look at it starting at verse 24. And what he's uh, starting off here is God's plan for Christ to find a home in us. Let's see what he says. Verse 24, he said, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now I've got to pause there, because that's one of those verses that, if you notice what it's saying... It can really distract you. So I don't want to keep reading without just clarifying what it's saying. When he says, I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. Is he saying that there was something missing? When Jesus came and died on the cross, that suffering that he went through in order to pay the penalty for our sin, in order to make a way for us to be brought back into relationship with God, is Paul saying that that was kind of 99% good enough? And there's just a little bit more that's left for us? No, it's not. Yeah, that's the potential distraction that we think. Hang on a minute. It's keep... Is he saying that Jesus' death wasn't good enough? No, no, he's not saying that. In fact, the word afflictions is never used of Christ's sufferings in relation to the cross. This is not talking about Christ's work to save us. It's talking about Christ's mission to spread the message to everyone. So Jesus came, Jesus suffered, Jesus died, and Jesus launched his followers to take the message out to the world. And he said, you're going to have trouble. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be, if you like, afflictions related to representing Jesus in this world. And I think what Paul's saying here is, I'm in prison. I'm suffering. Like I'm afflicted. Not in a way that saves anybody, but as part of Christ's mission to reach the world with the message of hope. Okay, so he's saying, I'm going through this for the sake of the church. And then he gets to the mystery part. So in ministry terms, he's he's afflicted, let's use that word. He's suffering for Christ's mission. But in terms of the mystery, look at what he says. Let's just kind of walk it through. Verse 25. I have become the church's servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness. Okay, so what is the message? That Paul has to bring to the church. What is this message that he wants to proclaim and reveal to the people that are going to read this letter? He says, "The mystery." Now, mystery is a word that we think we know, right? You think mystery, you think, "Ooh, a bit spooky," right? A little bit, you know, uh, like a, maybe a crime murder mystery type of thing. That's, that's the way we tend to use the word, right? Mystery. It's something weird, something secret, something unknown. But that's not exactly the way the word is being used here. It's, it's not so much the hour and a half of the movie where you don't know who done it. Right? Anyone into that kind of movie or TV show, the sort of crime drama? You know, and you spend the whole time as an amateur detective trying to figure out who was it? Was it the husband, or was it the gardener, or was it the neighbor who has the collection of spears? Like, what's going on? And you watch the whole drama unfolding, but it's a mystery. By definition, it's not supposed to be understandable. right? You're kind of following, but if you solve it, you're either very lucky or you should be working for the police. right? Normally, they don't give you quite enough to solve it. But then there's the final few minutes. You know the moment of the reveal where it turns out it was the gardener, you know, whoever. Uh, it's kind of like, anyone remember Scooby-Doo. I always thought Scooby-Doo was a bit of a cheat, because basically at the end of every episode, they just pull somebody's head off, and there was another head underneath, and it turns out that, anyway, that's bizarre. I don't know why I went there. You can look that up. You'll spend hours watching Scooby-Doo this week. But essentially, it's the reveal more than it is the I don't get it part. When Paul says mystery, he's talking about something that was hidden, something that God kept concealed. But now, it's revealed. Now, the secret has been made known. All right? I, I can't shake the Scooby-Doo thing. That's really not helpful. <laughs> but it's the reveal that's the focus here. Okay? So, verse 26, he's saying, uh, to present to you the word of God in all its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations. That's literally what I just said, right? For, for generations, for ages, for centuries, for millennia, God did not make this known. But it's now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is, what is it? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, it's kind of hard for us to, to kind of, I suppose, wrap our minds around the significance of that verse. For thousands of years, you can read through the Old Testament and you can read about all the prophecies and the predictions and the plan of God being unfolded and and being kind of worked out and all the people waiting for and longing for the Christ, the Messiah, who is to come, this one that God would send to deal with our sin problem, to, to, to put things right in the world. But God didn't tell them everything about the Christ. There were parts of who he was and what he would do that God kept secret. But now, in Paul's day, Paul has had the privilege of saying, here it is. Let me tell you something that nobody before could ever have known. What was God's plan God's plan held, uh, kind of kept in secret, in anticipation of the reveal still to come, kept back for centuries and centuries. It's not that Christ is coming. He predicted that. That was clear. For anyone who had eyes to see and ears to hear, the plan of God was to send Christ. What would he be? A leader, a ruler, a king, somebody who would put things right. But Christ in you... Uh, that's bizarre. God never said that was going to happen. That Christ would come into this world, go to the cross and die, and having died and risen to life again, he would then, by his spirit, come and indwell his people. Like, set up home in their hearts. Just think of the, the, the moving lorry, kind of backing up. Beep, 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 like right? furniture, I'm coming to stay That's what Christ has done for those of us who are his. He's moved in. Christ in you. Which means we have the hope of glory. We have a certain expectation that this is not the whole story. That what we're going through now, the struggles, the difficulties, the fears, the doubts, the what in the world is going on in the world kind of feelings, this is not forever. And if you belong to Christ, you have Christ within you. And Christ within you gives you that sometimes very quiet, sometimes very subtle sense of hope. Sense of anticipation. If he would want to live in me now, I shouldn't doubt that he wants me to be with him forever. Christ in me has the hope of glory. That was never revealed before. I mean, they knew that God was going to do something good. They had no idea how good it was going to be. God's plan was for Christ to find a home in your heart. Isn't that amazing? In fact, there's one more bit that I've kind of skipped. In the same verse, notice what it says. uh, Verse 26, 27. God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. This isn't just a Jewish thing. That's not the way it would have been perceived in the Old Testament, is that he would be a Jewish Messiah for the Jewish people, and maybe the Gentiles could become Jewish, sort of second-class citizens in God's plan. But actually, when we get to the New Testament, Paul was given the privilege to reveal, hey guys, it's equal for all of us. You know, we we kind of think that race relations and solving tensions between races is somehow a 21st century concern. God was there way ahead of anybody uh, that's around today. God's concern for Jews and Gentiles, people from every background, being united together in the body of Christ, is all through the Bible. It's his plan, and it's being revealed here that Jews and Gentiles would have Christ dwelling in their hearts. That's amazing. And Paul wants to proclaim that to the church at Colossae. He wants them to see God's plan for their salvation. Uh, This amazingly, incredibly close connection between them and Christ. How close? Well, Christ in you close. That's very close. That's one side of this section, one side of the coin, if you like. But then he carries on and he gives the other side of the coin to give another aspect of this incredibly close connection. And he's going to do it the same again, talking about his ministry and then moving on to the mystery. Let's look at it. Verse 28. He says, he, Christ, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea. That's a town up the road. And for all who have not met me personally. So he's talking about his ministry. Before he talked about his suffering. Now he's talking about straining for them. Like, ah, this is hard work, but it's worth it. He's going for it because he wants them to be mature in Christ. And then he comes to the mystery again, verse 2. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. That's quite a statement, isn't it? Let that one sink in for a second that they might have the full riches of complete understanding. People pay a lot of money for partial understanding. Right? People pay huge money for an education, which may give some understanding, may not. People pay huge money for workshops and seminars, for books, for online PDFs, for all sorts of courses, for mentoring and coaching. Like The world's craving understanding. Right? We want to know, we want to understand, we want to grasp how to be or what to do. or you know, It's something that we're desperate for as humans. And here, Paul is saying, full riches of complete understanding. That sounds pretty cool. In order that they may know the mystery of God. Remember mystery? It's not the, mm, don't know what's going on part. It's the, that happened, but now we know. Now it's been revealed. What is the complete full understanding that is offered to us, now revealed by God, as a complete solution, a complete answer, a complete everything that we could possibly need? What is the mystery? In chapter 2, verse 2, the mystery of God, namely, Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Those were the verses on that plaque on the wall, and I don't remember exactly how it was phrased. I've been watching videos, trying to see if there's a camera that sweeps past that I can grab a screenshot and work it out, because I can't quite find the Bible version that is on that plaque. Anyone going to Portland, and let me know. But it's it's an amazing statement, right? Look at look at what he's saying here. The full riches of complete understanding all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, everything you need, he's saying you can find that in Christ. Like I said, I don't remember the exact wording on the plaque, but I think there was something about it that just kind of startled me. To to have everything that you need, to be mature, to know what you need to know. And, And then it wasn't about education about learning it wasn't about behavior it wasn't about what I need to do it wasn't anything about me it it kind of finished the sentence by saying it's all Jesus I don't know what it was about that that plaque but I couldn't I just thought that seems a bit of an overstatement went back to my Bible and it was there the Christ who had been predicted all the way down through the centuries and yet When he came, God revealed just how amazing he was. Just how much he offers to us. Can you see why Paul's saying this to a church tempted to let Jesus drift from their faith center point? Allowing Jesus to become sort of a a part of the package. He's saying, no guys, look, this is the whole thing. Christ is Christianity. Christianity. There is no Christianity apart from Christ. Christ is what you need. Christ is what's going to give you all wisdom, all knowledge. All the treasures you could ever want are in him. It's hard to imagine breaking a rope seal and going inside a tomb and then a golden seal and all those kind of golden deals to go in and discover a, a, a priceless treasure trove like they found 100 years ago. That's mind-blowing. We've got something better. We've got something much better, much more priceless, if that's possible. Something that's of infinite value. We've been offered everything we need in Christ. That's God's plan for us. This incredibly close connection between you and Christ is that on the one side, Christ wants to set up a home in your heart. Christ in you. And on the other side of the coin, you're invited to find everything you need in Christ. They couldn't get any closer than that. You see, it's not about, oh, yes, thank you, Jesus, now over to me while I work at my behavior, while I try to fix myself, while I try harder to whatever. No, it's come close to him, draw near to him, find in him your satisfaction. Find in him your wealth, your riches, your wisdom, your knowledge. Find in him the holiness that you need in your life, the transformation that you need for your life, your character, your marriage, all the issues of of life that keep coming up. Find the answer in Jesus. That's what Paul's saying. Christianity is God's plan for an incredibly close connection between you and Christ Christ in you, you in Christ. And so when we come down to verse 4, the last few verses we're going to look at, this is really kind of a conclusion to the message. In light of what he said, he says, okay, so press on in Jesus. Keep him as the the focal point of your faith. Keep him right in front of your your heart. Gaze at him, look at him, and move forward in the life that is set before you. Look at verse 4. He says, I tell you, I tell you this, so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit. and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. What's the plan for maturing? It's kind of the same as the plan for getting saved in the first place. How do you enter into what God has for you? Well, you trust Christ. You're invited to look away from yourself and to look to him and to realize that that was God's plan to take care of your sin, your guilt, your shame, everything that's broken, everything that's gone wrong, everything that's been done to you. The whole mess of life, all the darkness, all the the yuck inside of us to come to Christ and say, wow, you have taken care of that on the cross. That is amazing. I'm in. Forgive me. I want to place my trust in you and I want to be welcomed into your family. Transform me, work in me. I need you. It's, you know, all the words you can come up with, but it's the heart just saying, oh, I'm yours. And so what is he saying in verse 6? Just as you received Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. How do we go on from that point of trusting Christ the same way? Lord, I need you. Continue to look to him. Continue to allow what he has done and who he is to blow you away. Continue to realize that there is my treasure. He is everything that I need, and I need to know him more. I need to go in deeper, closer. I need him. I don't need a training course, although they're fine, and I don't need a book, although they're helpful. I don't need a teacher, a mentor, although all of these things are a blessing ultimately what I need to grow is to be closer to Christ. Because that's God's plan. It's God's plan to save us and it's God's plan to grow us. An incredibly close personal connection with Christ. Let me ask you very simply, do you have that? Have you trusted Christ for your salvation or are you still kind of not sure? Still wondering what it all means? That's okay. It's good to have questions, and please bring your questions. Talk to me or Andy or anybody else that you know here. Try to figure out what it is that that doesn't quite make sense yet. We want everyone to come to the point where they've trusted Christ and God's plan for their salvation. We want that for everybody, but that's not all we want. We also want all of us to grow to maturity. What does that look like? Well, the same way as you come to Christ, continue on. Draw closer to him. Find your treasure in him. Let his dwelling in you bring about transformation. And again, questions, struggles, difficulties, that's what the church is for. You might say, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not sure about this or I'm unclear about that. Great, please come and talk to me or Andy or Melanie or Hannah or Anina or whoever. Someone that you think could be helpful. Bring your question. Bring your concern. Maybe it's just that we need to pray together. Maybe there's something biblical that we can offer you as an answer. But ultimately, what we have is Christ. And he's everything that we need. And together we can encourage one another to draw closer to him. Next week, we're going to carry on in chapter 2. See the rest of the section where Paul really gets into the, the temptation that's pulling them away. Feel free to look ahead, but don't miss what we've seen today. Wouldn't it be great if this week, every day, we just pondered this section and said, Lord, maybe I don't appreciate you enough. Help me to know what it means, Christ in me, the hope of glory, and me mature in Christ. Let's pray. Father. thank you. We say it so often, but thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for giving us your everything in him. And thank you that we've got everything we need in him. Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us to come to a point of putting our faith in him and what he's done for us to rescue us. And then, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to take steps forward. Steps toward maturity. Not by looking away from Jesus, but by looking even more intently. May he captivate each of our hearts more this week than ever before. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.